The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. As Jesus was going up to Jerusalem, he took the twelve disciples aside, and on the way he said to them, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered to the chief priests and scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles, to be mocked and scourged and crucified, and he will be raised on the third day. Then the mother of the sons of Zebedee came up to him with her sons, and kneeling before him, she asked him for something. And he said to her, What do you want? She said to him, Command that these two sons of mine may sit, one at your right hand and one at your left in your kingdom. But Jesus answered, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I am to drink? They said to him, We are able. And he said to them, You will drink my cup, but to sit at my right hand and at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared by my Father. And when the ten heard it, they were indignant at the two brothers. But Jesus called them to him and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great men exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be your slave, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. The Gospel of the Lord. <clears throat> In the first reading today, we see all of the plotting that was happening against the prophet Jeremiah. And this same type of plotting, this same spirit uh, of this malice is present now again at the time of Christ and spread to a broader extent. And so these same types of plotting, this same plotting of his death, the Lord as God, he knows what is going on in all of the hearts of those around him. He knows what awaits him in Jerusalem. He knows that those who hate him have got to the point where they are set in their hearts in getting rid of him and that they will do anything to get rid of him. They will pervert justice. They will twist and manipulate his words. They will be cruel in the punishment that they deal out to the Savior. And he knows what is coming. And so as he is heading towards this, this knowledge for him, he begins to share it now more intimately with his disciples. He takes the twelve aside, and on the way he says to them, I think this is a beautiful image of prayer and one of the purposes of prayer. Prayer, it prepares us in a certain sense and in many ways for suffering. It gives us strength for coming trials, trials that are present, but also for trials that are not yet. And so as the disciples 
move aside with the Lord and speak with him in private and in an intimate conversation. So also in our own prayer, we step aside, if you will, come off of the path, move into quiet with Jesus and allow him to speak to us, to give consolation to our hearts now, but also to prepare us for whatever may come. And so what the Lord then says to his disciples is he says the place where he is going, what he will suffer, but then also he speaks of his resurrection. Behold, we are going to Jerusalem. Jerusalem, the city that has killed all of the prophets. And he has fixed his heart on going towards Jerusalem. The name means vision of peace. And he is the king of peace. He goes to Jerusalem to suffer and to die, but to bring peace. And the Son of Man, he says, will be delivered up to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death. They will condemn the innocent one to the death of a guilty person. And then they will offer him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and scourged and crucified. One of the commentators and St. Thomas Aquinas reiterates, he says that there are three normal things that we desire in this life. Honor, we desire honor, we desire rest, and we desire life itself. And as the Lord goes up towards Jerusalem, he will not be honored, but he will be mocked. He will not find rest, but he will be scourged. And that life that he desires will be taken from him as he is crucified. But he will be raised on the third day. The life of his human nature will be killed, but his divinity will raise him and raise his body to life again on the third day. That same divine nature which then raised Christ from the dead is also what is able to raise us from the dead, so long as we share in his life. And so the Lord has spoken about all of his coming sufferings. He has opened up his heart to his disciples. And yet they do not think of his sufferings. They think immediately of their own glory. They are not yet perfect in their friendship with Christ. Later there will be. When he will say to them, I no longer call you servants, but friends. Friends, because you are the ones who have endured with me in my trials. You have suffered with me. That is one of the principles of what makes deep friendship, is to suffer with the other. One, in the, one of the ways in which we can measure who our true and sincere friends are. A sincere friend is sorrowful when you are sorrowful and rejoices when you rejoice. A friend who is not sincere can at times, when you express your own sorrows and sufferings, they are always trying to outdo you with what they have suffered to a greater extent. Or when you speak of what causes you rejoicing, they're always trying to tell you how much they are rejoicing in other things. They miss the point. As a friend, they should sorrow when you sorrow and rejoice when you rejoice. This is what the Lord in his relationship to us manifests. While we are suffering, he comes and takes upon us, so it takes upon himself our sufferings. He takes upon himself all of our difficulties. But he also rejoices when we rejoice. When we are saved, as he gives us in the parable of the Good Shepherd, all of heaven rejoices when we enter into that glory with him. 
All heaven shares in our rejoicing at our own salvation, at our own being delivered from sin. But he also shares intimately in our sufferings. And so what he invites us to is to shift our eyes, not from, to shift our eyes from the glory of heaven, from the reward, but to look at his passion, especially in this time of Lent, to look at what he has suffered for our sake and seek to be united to Christ in the cross in this life so that we might then share in his glory in the next. Our focus in this life is on his passion, his suffering for us. And in this season, this is where we turn our eyes to that passion and death, where we give over our thoughts to thinking about his passion and his death, to thinking about what our friend has done for us and how much do we share in that, how much do we take up our daily cross and unite it with the cross of our divine friend, the one who has come and gone to such great extents for us. Will we take steps to go to those same extents for him. Amen.